Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dickness. Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. Tradition is not the worship of ashes, but the preservation of fire. Welcome to Traditions, the 159th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 19th century romantic composer Gustav Mahler. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelociRose.com. You may call me Ode. Oh, you can call me Carr. I am Ode's father. Hooray! <laughs> Merry meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. And I am so glad you are there. <laughs> Almost forgot what the fuck I was going to say. There was, a, there was a second where I could see you going, shit, what's my line? What's my line? Well, I think last time oh I was on, we were like on episode 149, and now It's been like a month Six and a half, weeks. two months. It's yeah, been ages. It's been for fucking ever, man. <laughs> I mean, I know we see you downstairs, but it's so nice to have you actually back on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been fun. Well, well, <laughs> right. to my child. Where we get to just ramble at each other for an hour. But, <laughs> but we have missed you. We have missed your energy. Ever, all our listeners have missed your energy. Yeah, they ask about you. No, they're, they they're lying. You. Oh, they do not. <laughs> I, I see the tiny violin uh-huh. right now. <laughs> okay. It's hidden in the beard. <laughs> As you could probably tell, Carr has made it up the stairs. Mm-hmm. He's still injured. Right. The ankle is still fucked up. The an- ankle is still fucked up, but he was brave. <laughs> and made it up. And the made it up the stairs. And hopefully One we'll be able to step at a time. Uh-huh. And hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to get, get back down. down. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! And the folks who are in uh-huh. the Discord are telling you to suck it. They they love How you. How dare you question my care? <laughs> deal <laughs> with it. <laughs> they love you, and you must deal with it. So, and I'm sure those who do not join us on the Discord mm-hmm. will, will also be will all be very delighted happy. to hear Car's voice once more. That's right. That's right. Especially since you won't have to hear us. Do the commercials. Right. Cars back, back Cars to do back the commercials. For the commercials. That's it. My job. That's your job. Yeah. You, you're the one who created it. That's very true. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, housekeeping? Sure. We have things and stuff. And I don't know. I don't we do don't fuck have, anymore. We don't, yeah. we don't really have anything going on, but no. I do know that Grand Rapids Pagan Pride will be next Saturday, which I believe is the 18th, 18th yeah. of September. And I will be hanging out around there. Yes, so Gwen will be there. Car and I will be, be at work. Yep. So we're not going to be present. No. Not, doing anything will be there. not doing anything official, just enjoying the community mm-hmm. and uh, looking at all the shops and stuff like y'all do and mm-hmm. going to whoever is teaching a class and whatnot. So if you know me and recognize me, please come up and say hi. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. Because we don't have any speaking engagements coming not up. Right now. No. Yeah. Nope, just so. regular life stuff and... And just continuing to send the healing vibes yes, to Carr so that he can continue this remarkable journey of up the stairs and then hopefully back down. Down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it could get a little difficult. So we are housekept and... Housewept. Correct. This is a suggested episode. It was suggested by Bill L. in our Discord. Mm-hmm. What? Bill L. of Pagans in Need? Bill That's L. Right. of Pagans in Need. Huh. And if you haven't heard of Pagans in Need... What website should they go to check out Pagans in Need? They can Google Pagans in Need. Yes, so Bill suggested uh, that we talk about... Tradition. 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 Traditions and whether you need a tradition and how to find one if you want one. And uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about where our paths have led us and what our traditions are. That's right. So we're going to talk about that. Um, if you would like to suggest a topic for an episode, you can go to our Discord channel. There's a channel called Episode Suggestions where people write down the things they'd like to hear us talk about. And uh, I go through that and 
pick things up and schedule us. So right, if there's because anything, if not, we've we've fallen short of coming right, up with ideas. Yeah, we've run out of ideas. So and also, you can also go to the Facebook group if you are in. If you are a member of the Facebook group, then you can also leave suggestions there. Mm -hmm. I'll make a post. I forgot to do that this week. And in that case, you need to tell me all the suggestions people make because I do not check the Facebook. I will. Okay. I'm going to, I'm making that your job. <laughs> I will do that. Something I thought it would be useful to talk about uh, mm -hmm. at the beginning is the difference between a path and a tradition. Mm -hmm. So uh, we often talk about finding our path in paganism, especially, and that isn't necessarily even just like the one thing you're doing right now mm -hmm. your path is sort of the culmination of all the things you've learned right yeah, i think so it could be spiritual it could be magical it could be a combination of the two or it could be completely mundane right but we're here talking about religious and spiritual paths well fine <laughs> i mean we're not talking about your career path no right? I'm, like, I'm talking about atheist witches and and uh, oh yeah they have um, a magical path but that's magical like path. That's not different in a meaningful way than a spiritual path in terms of like, it's the culmination of your experiences and values and how you choose to work. I would agree with that. Okay. Whereas a tradition has a, has a very specific meaning, right? Yes. So what exactly a tradition is depends on the context it's used in. So in the broadest possible definition a tradition is, and I quote, is the transmission of customs or beliefs from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. That's what a a broad dictionary definition of a tradition is. Right. There are also traditions in art movements, mm -hmm. which is when one particular artist or writer or Style. movement of artists and writers and musicians and so forth, yeah, develops a particular method or style. Mm -hmm. And that is called the tradition of blah when it's adapted or used by future artists in right. that field. In theology, in the big three, um, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Islam, a tradition is specifically a doctrine believed to have divine authority, even though it is not present in the scriptures. Right. For instance, within Catholicism, there mm -hmm. are traditions of belief among Catholics mm -hmm. that are not necessarily held by other people within Christ other areas of Christianity, other right. traditions, if you will. Right. Because, because or, they aren't biblical right they're not written in the scripture right. they're held to be oral teachings mm -hmm. or they're from different canonizations or they're the words of saints or letters from various popes things like mm -hmm. that that have just become church practice over time mm -hmm. and traditions can also be understood as denominations in like say christianity they would probably you what we would call a tradition mm -hmm. um, they would call it, a denomination they would call a denomination yeah in the pagan sphere, under the pagan umbrella, a tradition is what would be called a denomination, or sometimes just a whole religion yeah, in, yeah. in another context. Yeah, yeah. Dianic Wiccans are a tradition of Wicca. Right. Right. But we would also call, like, heathenry a tradition. Mm -hmm. So would you refer to a tradition also as, like, a sect? Yeah, I think you could. Yeah. I, I feel like a sect is a little more formal and that it's probably just like one group, whereas a tradition might be multiple groups. Does that make sense? Yeah, so Wicca could be the tradition, but then Dianic Wicca would be a sect of Wicca rather than a separate tradition. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because they all have, they all come from the same, right. they're all branches on the same tree. Right, because right, they all stem from Wicca. Mm-hmm. There's just different forms of, of Wicca and different traditions. traditions. <laughs> different traditions different within traditions the, the umbrella that. tradition of Wicca. We right. don't have enough words for these we things. We don't have enough words. So we need to come up with new words. How about that? Right. Wicca or is a at least put it together. Hmm? Or we could even say Wicca is a religion, which it is recognized right. by the United States. Right. Uh, and then it has Court. different traditions within, within that it. religion. Right. And then different sects under those traditions. Yeah, mm -hmm. we could do that. Or, <laughs> or we could say Wicca is a spiritual path that has many, many channels. Right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> many, many kitten trails. Many kitten trails that we're going on right now. So the the question Bill actually asked in episode suggestions was, "Do you need traditions?" Um, sort of what's the point of a tradition, right? Um, so I would say, no, you don't necessarily need them. As a group, we don't. Right. As a person, I did. 
Right, exactly. That, that so this is this is why it's really useful to have you on this episode in particular, yeah, because like Gwyn has been happy for a long time being a solitary, mm -hmm. eclectic, non-tradition. Non-tradition. <laughs> Doing my own damn thing. Uh-huh. Whereas Parr, pretty much as soon as you became a pagan, you immediately missed like the structure of I, I left the Christian church and was like an atheist for like two years. Mm -hmm. I just didn't give a fuck, basically. Right. Um, something was out there, but you didn't care right. what it was. But then I felt like I was missing something. Mm -hmm. And that's when you suggested you you as an ode. It's and an I old. felt like I, you know, I needed something besides nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know what that was, but because I had always been into Celtic Christianity, you suggested that I look into Celtic spirituality, paganism. Yeah. And that definitely connected. And for a while. Right, for a while. For a while. And and so you went like you didn't want to do what I did as heathen, basically, which was individually reconstruct what my heathenry would look like. Right. You wanted an organization. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so I looked through all the different ones and found mm -hmm. one that I was happy with at the time mm -hmm. and was part of it for a couple of years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what was it about having the structure of an organization and having a specific tradition that was more appealing to you than being a solitary or, or doing it, having to do all the work on your own. I suck at homework. <laughs> and uh, so it gave me something to work from. Like just a baseline? Right, yeah. Like I couldn't have put together any kind of writ or anything like that all on my own. Like I would have been clueless. So the you know, group I was part of, the ADF, mm -hmm. um, had a basic writ online. So I was able to follow that some. And um, they had, you know, things you could do personally, you know, that were not part of the group thing. And so it just helped me to have a framework. Mm -hmm. And that may come from, you know, being in Christianity where you got told what to do all the time. That's true. Right. And there, so there made, are a lot of rules made, already. Made, yeah. Well, and you always had like a pastor or something like that. I mean, it wasn't even the rules necessarily so much as this is what you need to do from the pulpit. Right. Yeah. And then there so instruction, there was a, there was a foundation already. Right. What yeah. it should look like according to whoever was telling you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. According to it, an authority figure in that right. faith tradition. What in that church. Believe, yeah. Yeah. Yep. What you could do to uh, build on that right. belief. To deepen your, to right. deepen your faith, yep. prayer look like mm -hmm. Bible study, that kind of thing. So in Christianity, there's a lot of debate between the various denominations about what those things look like. Oh, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember when you were, when the 24-7 prayer thing was starting, there was a lot of, like, that caused waves because prayer was supposed to be this one specific thing. Right. And 24-7 yeah. was saying, no, no, it can be anything. all these other things. Right, yeah, it can be anything. And oddly enough, I, I mean, I think that's something that, the 24-7 prayer model, I think, fits into paganism. It really mm -hmm. does. It really does. I, I actually... Which was the argument that the people who didn't right. like 24-7 This prayer, is pagan. This is paganism. But I, I do genuinely think, like, I think more pagans should be aware of the 24-7 prayer movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not... Well, although, the people who run the 24-7 prayer oh, movement probably would be thrilled about it. No, I'm sure it, they wouldn't like real, it. Please. But that's, that's, <laughs> not, that's not our problem. That's no, their problem. That's their problem. Um, they put that out into the world. But I think a lot more, I think more pagans should be aware of sort of the general premise of it. Visit Birmingham Violin Studio, where Tiger Kirsten Gill has been teaching violin to anyone ages five and up for 20 years. Since all people are unique individuals with their own learning style, Kirsten tailors each lesson specifically to the student rather than teaching from a single method or method book. Kirsten has a Master of Music and Violin Performance and has played with professional ensembles including Orchestra Iowa, the Florida Grand Opera, the Palm Beach Symphony, and the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra, as well as Casey and the Sunshine Band, the Beach Boys, and pre-American idol Kelly Clarkson. Due to social distancing, the Birmingham Violin Studio has pivoted to providing online instruction. And Kirsten is offering listeners of Three Pagans and a Cat their first two lessons free when they sign up for two months of lessons. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus, indeed. So Rhiannon asks, so the 24-7 prayer thing, is that the thing TV shows and people would make fun of 
with the host dude constantly yelling and phones ringing a lot, or is that something else? No, it's something That's entirely so else. Very, very different. Very You're thinking different. of those like telephones. Yeah, telephones. These are these are not telephones. No. So uh, the twenty four seven prayer movement came out of the United Kingdom in the mid to late nineties, started by a guy named Peter Grieg. Just a way to express prayer in a different way than Christianity normally had. So normally in Christianity, it's a uh, kneel, fold your hands, bow your head, pray. Silently, yeah. in your head. Sometimes, sometimes out loud for others to hear, but but yep. those all prayers always ended up being very verbose because you were- Performing, Performing, yeah. right, yep. 24-7 prayer movement said, you don't need to kneel, bow your head, or fold your hands. Anything can be a prayer just like it was in old times when Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel, he did it as a prayer. Mm -hmm. When anybody else created something back then because they were sponsored by the church, right. they did it as a prayer, right? So so when I ran 24-7 prayer rooms, the first one I did mm -hmm. at a church that I was the youth pastor at, and they gave me basically full reign to do whatever they gave the I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> so, because it really was kind of a youth movement. Yeah, in the yeah, UK. yeah, it was. And so, you know, I created canvases out of uh, bed sheets yeah. and hung them on the wall, and people could paint their prayer. And we had a guy come DJ his prayer, and we had a guy who came and played bass for his prayer. There was a lot of people dancing, dancing, sculpting. yeah, sculpting, mm -hmm. all that Writing kind of stuff. Writing poetry, reading. Yep. Yeah, there were people who would come reading. in and just read yep. the Bible. It was a thing that was just different than what the church norm was. Right. And it allowed more artistic expression, which I've always big into. Mm -hmm. I dove pretty heavily into it. I was really the, one of the first people to do one in the States mm -hmm. and then help them build what became the United States version of 24-7 prayer very early on. Moved on from that later, but mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's really, it's, it's devotional acts. Right, yeah. yeah. It's devotional yeah. acts, much like what we do in, in paganism. Or mm -hmm. I think it's, I, I just think that's something useful for pagans to hear about and, mm -hmm. and process because I often have people asking like, well, well what offerings should I give to mm -hmm. such and such a day? Right. And anything can be an offering. Exactly. Anything can be an yeah. offering. As so long as it's devotion. done, it doesn't even have to be done well. No, it just so has to be done. So long as done with the right intention. Exactly. Yeah. It just has to be done intentionally. Yeah. It just so, has to be done with that, I mean, with that purpose, with that faith in mind. One of the things we did at one of the 24-7 prayer rooms, actually one of the ones I did here in Michigan, was I bought little 4 by 6 canvases uh -huh, yeah. and taped them all together and drew a word on it mm -hmm. and then split them all apart and gave them to multiple people to paint mm -hmm. and then brought them all back together to mm -hmm. make the word that I had written out. Mm -hmm. But each part of it was different because a different person painted it who had no idea what the other people were painting. Right. So you get, you know, a patchwork, right. A patchwork of all these different disparate ideas coming together to create one thing, yeah. which is kind of basically paganism, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. It's all these disparate ideas coming together to make one big thing. I would like to see us do that with like pagan or something, right? Yeah. just to hand it out to different traditions and have them paint the symbols of their faith. Them. Right, and yep. that, yeah. Rhiannon Gray asks, and this is just like a room, it's not like monetized, like live streamed or something, because I feel like I could see something like this on Twitch. Hello. This was way before Twitch. Yeah, way yeah, this before. was this way was before Twitch. This was 80s, 90s. Yeah, no, it wasn't monetized 90s. at all. 90s, it was yeah. completely free to participate. Yeah. Yep. And it was sponsored by churches. So yeah. they would open up Well, they would open up the space. The space. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then you would and you would create an atmosphere and provide the materials mm -hmm. yep. so that people could come in and perform their devotional act right. of prayer. However, that looked, and it was called the twenty four seven prayer room because the idea was there would be someone in there praying, and however they were doing it, yeah, twenty four hours a day for seven for, days for a week, and that was also based on some kind of historic event that happened. Yes, yeah, uh, in Germany, I think, where yes. a one whole in town yeah. prayed for twenty four hours, but it lasted for over a hundred years. Right, yeah. but, but yeah. that was the origin of his concept. Yeah. Of continual prayer just going from one person to the next mm -hmm. to the next because i do devotional acts for my deities mm -hmm. you know and i for whatever reason though i know all about 24 7 prayer right <laughs> i have participated in 24 7 prayer rooms when i was a christian mm -hmm. it never has occurred to me to to incorporate that yeah and in, into my current pagan practice of 
creating some kind of devotional art, mm -hmm. creating a prayer. Yeah, anything you do devotionally. Anything you do devotionally is a prayer to whatever or whoever your mm -hmm. deity is. All right, so before we move on, everybody wants to do a crazy commercial that they just want me to read. We'll do it like 24-7 prayer. Uh -huh. Everybody gets one line. <laughs> okay? Total lines, 12. Yeah. Yep. 12 total lines, 12 total sentences. Do not, please, for the love of all things, make them run on sentences <laughs> that are like, you know, 3,000 words long each. Like the book titles that but, are read. Right. right. <laughs> the magus. Put it in, you know what, put it in Come Harass the Pride. That's not uh, being used very often. Yeah, so Come Harass the Pride is where you'll put it. And uh, no, it doesn't need to be an, in order. It, however I decide to read it is how it gets read. <laughs> he'll, you won't get one line. He'll read them in any order. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Just, Just whatever you want whatever to you want. Yep, whatever you want. It's a Pride commercial. Yeah. So it's all yours. Oh, and I can do different voices with it, too. Yes, you could. You can do a different yeah, voice each line. For each line. <laughs> oh, I see many, many possibilities for this. <laughs> many possibilities. <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad that we talked about the 24-7 prayer room. That concept. Right. Someone was saying that uh, maybe we should set up a 24-7 prayer room at Valhalla. A pagan prayer room? A pagan prayer room. <laughs> It'll be, have to be after we move. Uh -huh. yeah, 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 at the new this location. Is, uh, yeah, the old location doesn't have room for that. Yeah. Or that would be something that could be a, that we could sponsor at a... At a con. Well, you know what? Like. We could do that at a Michigan Pagan Fest would oh, be even better because yeah. it's outdoors. Yep. We'll, we'll see if we can talk uh, the, the Michigan Pagan Fest people into letting us do something like that. Yeah. With no pressure. Yep. Yep. You know, yeah, just a concept. Since some of the Michigan Pagan Fest people listen, listen. Uh -huh. no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. But it is a, it's an interesting concept to see if people would take advantage of yeah. that opportunity. But we got a little bit off track. <laughs> I did. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. Uh, no, it was a good, it was a good discussion. And like I said, it's something I think more pagans should be aware of, just because. Like I said, it's sort of lost momentum in the States, and so I think not as many people are aware of it. But it could become some part of someone's tradition. Right. Well, oh, so. way to bring it back to the actual Thank conversation. Thank you. Pulling back in. Something that I think is interesting when we're discussing pagan paths and pagan traditions is that almost all of them are very new. So, like, the, the general dictionary definition of, uh, you know, beliefs that you pass on from generation to generation... We've barely got a few generations to right. do that with at this point, right? For a lot of these traditions. Like with Gardnerian Wicca, there's been several generations for that to sort of propagate. And but I think that's only about 60 years old? Yeah. Maybe? 70s? So that's, you know, three or four generations, yeah. give or take. And that's not a huge amount of time for there to have been sort of drift in the traditions. But even so, even though there's been a, a relatively short range of time for these traditions to develop we've seen a lot of splintering you mm -hmm. know that's why we have all these different kinds of wicca all these different traditions right. within wicca mm -hmm. you know you have your british traditional but for instance alexandrian split off of gardnerian right mm -hmm. yeah yeah you know. well i think that that happens faster now than it used to the internet, the internet especially, right, yeah. is a big part of that. We're just more connected as a world. You know, mm -hmm. back then, in the early, early, early time, uh, the before common era. The BCEs. The BCEs. You know, they just didn't talk to other people as much, right? Because they, they only had their local group. Right. I mean, there would be, there was definitely trade and exchange of ideas, but it was... Whether that happened depended on whether you were on a trade route, right? right like if yeah. you lived out in the boonies, your traditions were your local, extremely specific, insular, rural traditions, right? Which and is why we have household gods. And, exactly. You know. And that's why we still have, in a few places, we still have some of those traditions preserved. And we know they weren't how they did things everywhere, but they were how they did things in this one isolated village or whatever. Like they just didn't see anyone else, so it never got spread out and it never got adjusted by other beliefs and cultures interacting with it. Right. And I think this is where English gets confusing because, you know, we talk about there's multiple ways to talk about traditions, mm -hmm. you know, and if you're talking about a, a small local area that have particular religious traditions mm -hmm. or folk traditions, or folk traditions of magic practice, mm -hmm. that's not what people think of when they think of a pagan tradition. A pagan tradition. In paganism, in our sphere, mm -hmm. we think of a tradition as being a foundation, a set, of, a set of rules, a way to practice. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the, we see a lot of granularity in those things 
between different traditions. Mm -hmm. A lot of, you know, we do this this specific way and they do that. A lot like denominations in Christianity yes. where, where it comes down to like the different ways you baptize. So like in paganism, it comes down to like the different ways you do circles, mm -hmm. right? And then for, you know, one coven that becomes an, a, an irresolvable difference and they right. split off and form a new tradition. Exactly. So like, I don't have any problem with there being a bunch of different traditions. Worship and work, mm -hmm. however, works best for you. Exactly. But I do wonder if this, the way we fracture so easily mm -hmm. and the way we refuse to compromise on the dogma of our practice, create entirely new religious traditions, entirely new magical traditions based on these tiny differences. Mm -hmm. We don't have like the cultural power that Christianity has where like every denomination still benefits from being Christian, right? Mm -hmm. A tiny pagan tradition has like no individual buying power, mm -hmm. right? Because they there's- can very easily come and go. Right, and just die off completely right. and be lost. And then anything they developed after the split with their, their parent tradition mm -hmm. is just gone and will probably never be recovered. So I wonder if there's an extent to which these extremely granular traditions is actually hurting us as a group. I don't know. That's an interesting thought. I think part of it is, you know, people, human beings, we tend to draw toward people who are similar to us or mm -hmm. have similar beliefs as we do, which I think is why you see this happening. You get a large group together. Mm -hmm. and, and then, then they sort of split into they, smaller groups. Into smaller groups. I, I think part of that is that, you know, you see that with covens, they get to a certain size and they create a sister coven or a daughter yeah. coven or whatever, just because the size of the group gets too large. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's the onus is on the leadership as these covens split off to maintain their belief structure within all the sister covens so that you don't have that granularity and you don't have people the falling problem, apart over little things. The problem with that, I think, is that we don't have, like, pagan leadership. But they're, they're as well, constantly, there's no pagan yeah. pope, you know? There's right. no one saying, well, like, here are our beliefs. I realize that. What I'm saying is within a specific tradition, right. like, say, you've got a group of gardenarians, okay. okay, and they've created a coven, mm -hmm. and that coven grows, Mm -hmm. There's leadership within that coven. Right. There's a high they, priest or whatever. Yeah. And then they create more leadership so that they can hive off. They can yeah. hive off and have, you know, create more covens. But they still have to have that underlying understanding of what their beliefs are within that tradition. I, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, inside one tradition, there has to be, like, mutual understanding between different participants in that tradition. Mm -hmm. I'm saying between different traditions. Right. I think we need to be able to find, like, to focus more on the commonalities between our practices than on the, like, extremely granular well, I think that's disagreements. Right, I think yeah. that's something we've always advocated. Mm -hmm. But I think part of that, some of that, mm -hmm. comes from the fact that we are all solitaries. Even though you guys are in traditions. You're I'm still a solitary, so I can still, still be solitaries. like, I'm ignoring right. that. <laughs> Within your, you know, the, the, the traditions that you're part of informs how you practice or gives you suggestions or ideas that you can follow to create your own individual version. Yeah, I think... The ADF, I think, qualifies as like a tradition. A tradition. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think as a solitary... Even if you happen to follow a Norse pantheon of gods, that doesn't necessarily make you part of that tradition mm -hmm. because you're a solitary. So your, your tradition is you, right? right. It's so, whatever you incorporate right, into Whatever you. you happen to incorporate into it. So I think it's somewhat different than the traditional thinking of tradition. Of being in a coven. Right. And so that's where I think path and tradition have two different things. Right. I would say... Because... You are on the heathen path. Exactly. But, but I, are not I'm, part of a tradition. Exactly. I'm not part of a specific okay. tradition right. in heathenry. Now, I was on the Celtic path, but also was part of the ADF tradition. Right. Mm -hmm. Neither of which are true anymore. But, <laughs> but at the time. But right. at the time, yeah. Thing, I think part of Bill's question was what draws people to a tradition. Right. How do you find a tradition? How do you... How, how do you join one? How do you find the one that's right for you? That kind right, of thing. Yeah. Right. Which we've talked about this a little bit before. I have a specific set of three criteria that I got from a friend, which is, do you find it useful? Does it improve you? And do you find it beautiful? 
if you hit all three, ding, 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 you found your path. Right. And two of the three makes you pretty close. Right. Two of the three is good. All three is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> if you've only got one, eh, keep looking. Keep looking. <laughs> and that's happened to me. I found one that I thought hit all three, mm -hmm. but then as I was within that particular right. position, As you learned more. As, I learned right. more, yeah. as you progressed through it. And progressed through, I realized, oh, it really only hits one. And I don't really feel like this is the proper direction mm -hmm. for me to go. And I think that was the same way with mine. With the ADF? Yeah, with the ADF, yeah. Like it satisfied your desire to have that foundation and right. that structure, but ultimately it wasn't the final correct. right place for you. That is mm -hmm. correct. Gwen and I were actually talking the other day in the car about something that a lot of Wiccan traditions have, a lot of covens have, which is an outer court. Yes. Obviously is impossible everywhere in every circumstance, but I think it's a really interesting idea um, and is really intelligently designed actually mm -hmm. because if you're if you're going to have a tradition that has mysteries that you don't want to have revealed to everyone obviously you need to have a certain amount of trust with someone before you can expose them to those mysteries mm -hmm. but it's also really really difficult sometimes to know if a tradition is right for you without getting involved in the tradition mm -hmm. so an outer court gives you an opportunity to be exposed to the general concepts of the tradition and how the practice works. Get to know some people. Get to know some of the people in the tradition in your particular coven and how your personality meshes with theirs or doesn't. And so that time in the outer court gives you a chance to sort of do that assessment for yourself mm -hmm. and, and for them to assess you and decide whether you're right for them. Like it's a mutual thing. Having um, friends who have a, who have a coven mm -hmm. who have an outer court, it also allows them as people within that outer court are starting to progress further, they can start assigning duties to them to see how they would respond mm -hmm. to um, not just being an observer but being an active participant, mm -hmm. maybe even creating a ritual, having responsibilities, having responsibilities while they're still on that. You know, they haven't been drawn in yet. Mm -hmm. They haven't been exposed to mysteries. Right. They haven't been exposed to the, the inner mysteries of their group, but it gives them an opportunity to interact with these people and see if these people want to go further. Mm -hmm. And and to sort of assess where their skill level is, which is important for determining how they're going to progress in a tradition in a lot of cases, especially the kind that have ranks. Yeah. So I think uh, the outer court concept is actually really, really useful. Mm -hmm. It's I don't think it's something that you can adapt to every tradition. But I think some sort of learner's permit for a tradition <laughs> would actually be really useful for a lot of people because then you don't feel like you've failed out. Mm -hmm. um, if you later decide that tradition isn't for you and you want to step away, you've just, you know, you, you did your, your learner period with mm -hmm. this tradition and, and you decided it wasn't, wasn't for you. you. I think that would take some of the stigma away from joining traditions and being in them for a little while and then leaving and joining another tradition. Yeah. There's sort of a stigma against people who like serially jump from one tradition to another. Right. And there's a, a feeling for a lot of people that they've failed at being this kind of pagan. So now they have to try being another kind of right. pagan or whatever. Well, and that's where I, I believe this outer court concept is also where the year and a day comes in, I'm sure, within Wicca at least in the covens, because it gives people a chance to find out if this is something they really want to do. And that's why it's useful in, uh, in solitary practice as well, to dedicate yourself to a year and a day of study. Mm -hmm. And that way, if by the time you get either into the middle or toward the end of that or accomplish it, and you say, you know what, I don't... This isn't this, working for this me. This isn't working this for me. This feels like a chore. This, this doesn't... I, I'm not... I don't feel like this is beautiful. It mm -hmm. makes me a better person. And brings me joy, mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, there should be then no stigma from stepping back to explore something else mm -hmm. because, and then you devote yourself to something else for a year and a day, yeah, or uh, hour, whatever your, whatever your, whatever your learner's period is. Exactly. I, I think it is not only useful. I think it's, I think it's important. And I think you're right. I think there is kind of a stigma mm -hmm. uh, on people who say, well, I was this and then I was this and I'm, I'm here to say I was this. And now right. I'm this. Your your and path, I could be that sometime in the future. Your path has been very winding through many traditions many, and lacks many, thereof. Many, 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 many. <laughs> it always is a solitary. Uh -huh. With the very short exception of, of one tradition, but it was online. <laughs> but that's that's in paganism. But right, you know, you even also in Christianity, had... we jumped multiple denominations. Mm -hmm. Right. 
um, which had entirely different views on things. So and, was, here's a, an interesting question. Was there a stigma in Christianity for to switching denominations? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'll, the, the one thing I'll bring up probably is when uh, your mom started going to a Southern Baptist church because it was close to our school, mm-hmm. her baptism in the Methodist church was not good enough because was, she was sprinkled and not dumped. It was considered, I couldn't become a member yeah. until you had been re-baptized. Yes. Yep. And so wow. she had to go through that whole process of actually being dumped underwater mm-hmm. because baptismo in the original Greek meant to immerse. Uh-huh. Which, you know, so, I'm, I'm not going to get into all of the, the reasons why I was offended by that. It's understandably offensive. But I did it anyway. Yes, yeah. Because and, I wanted, is, that was the only your, way I could become a member of the fucking church. Uh-huh. There. What did your mom say, though? She said all they got was a wet method. <laughs> offensive though to say you know your faith is invalidated right because i was a 12 year old and i went through class i went through like six weeks of classes for baptism Mm -hmm. to determine if i was mature enough to make to make the this decision this choice to be baptized as a member of the The church of the methodist church into the christian faith as Mm -hmm. a methodist I made that, and that was something my dad wanted because he was a Baptist. Right. The the funny thing is, like, I grew up in the Baptist church, in the Mm -hmm. Southern Baptist church, and all I had to do was walk down an aisle and say yes. Right. And then they baptized me. I didn't have to take a fucking class. class. I didn't have to do a damn thing. (laughs) It was like, we can add another one to our wool. That means we get more money from the denomination. Exactly. And so I think... A lot of times that is the impetus, I'm not going to say in all Southern Baptist churches, but I didn't have to go through any classes or do anything. No. I just had to be dunked. Yep. Yeah, I, there's so, no confirmation or anything like no. that in the Southern Baptist church. It's That's just, interesting, because I, I, was, I was listening to a podcast the other day, actually, where they talked about the Catholic church requires you to go through like six months yep. of mm-hmm. training to yeah. get baptized. Yeah, yeah. used to teach confirmation classes at the Lutheran church yeah. I worked at, yeah. Yeah, so um, now we're gone on a kitten trail again. No, Not I really. mean, this is still relevant well, to, like, true. the outer court concept, well, the, yeah. the learner's true. period, right? Right. Like, if they, I, guess, I guess you could say for the Southern Baptist Church, the, to be a member of their church, you have to accept Jesus, obviously, right. but you got to be dunked. Right. That's part yeah. of their... That's part of their the doctrine. They, but they try to get that done as quickly as possible. Right, I think... Because I, denominationally... And I don't know if this is true of all denominations. Mm-hmm. The Southern Baptist denomination gives money to it Southern Baptist churches, churches based on membership roles. Okay. So and you when, have to be baptized to be a member. To be a member, yeah. But when your mom and I left the Southern Baptist Church that we were both a part of in in South Florida, mm-hmm. I literally had to go back years later mm-hmm. to the church in person to get our names taken off the rolls because they were still getting money for us uh-huh. being members there. And so, of course, they weren't going to take you right, off. Right, exactly. They, unless, unless you absolutely forced right. them to. There are yeah. many dead people on church rolls. Uh-huh. Yep. I won't even get into the whole, my, my grandmother, who was a Baptist, was yes. put into the Mormon church. We had baptized after she was dead. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I think membership as a whole, in my opinion, uh-huh. is an outdated concept. It's different with a coven. Because that's a small group. Right. Right? Yep. Like, you have to know everyone who's in your coven. You're all going to practice together or whatever. But, yeah, I think, like, membership in a tradition is sort of a questionable... Well, I don't know if it's membership in a tradition so much as it is... Like, we're going to go back to Wicca because that's the only tradition tradition that I really am familiar with. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's just a matter of, of saying we are Gardnerian Wiccans. We are... Alexandrian Wiccans mm-hmm. and or whatever, you know. Which is or, a self-identification. Which is a self-identification. Right. They maintain specific teachings within their within their covens and all right. that kind of stuff. But they can they can identify under that. They're not necessarily members of, you know, yeah. a, a no. wider organization of Wicca because we don't have that in veganism. No. But they can identify themselves as hey, I'm Gardnerian, or fairy tradition, or right. whatever. Now, know? I do think it's useful in some of these traditions, like especially some of the, the more structured mm-hmm. Wiccan traditions, mm-hmm. to be able to sort of trace your tradition lineage, right? Yes, to be I able to say, I learned in X coven, mm-hmm. and the teachings of X coven come from Y person who was from Z coven. And so you can sort of, you can trace where those traditions came from. Mm-hmm. 
I know that's important for some people as a way to manage sort of your your baseline expectations of what this person knows and does and how they practice. And also sometimes it's useful for them later figuring out, oh, this person was a Nazi and therefore everything they taught downline might have Nazi vibes in it and we should look closer at that. <laughs> right. I mean, I could tell you who my pastors were at mm -hmm. different churches for the most part. Mm -hmm. I don't ever refer to them. But they shaped your understanding of, of faith and Christianity. Maybe. I think that kind of stuff really only matters to people who know you, who know them. Unless you're from a really, I guess, from a prestigious coven whose leadership, you know, was well known. Or right. Something. Like if you can, if you can say the leadership in my coven was taught by Cora Anderson or whatever, right, like right. that's meaningful to some people. Right. Right. But there's still not like membership roles in those, right. in those situations. No. You just say like, I was taught by X person. Right. And right. You go, then right. someone goes to X person and says, did you teach this person? And, and I they think can say, yeah, or nay. Maybe that's why that's important. Cause the, you know, the question is what draws people to traditions? Why would they want to be part of a tradition? That kind of thing. And that, that may be part of the draw for some people. They want to have connection to some kind of lineage. So right. within Wicca, there is some kind of li lineage to whoever created the tradition they're in, whether it's Dianic or Gardnerian or Alexandrian right. or whatever. They can go to a source and, and say, ultimately, my, my specific, teachings come from my Gardner. specific teachings come from X. Yeah. You know, and that is very meaningful to some people. And I think part of that is because our traditions are so new. Yeah. Right? They're so fresh that we can actually be close enough to the original teachers in them. Mm -hmm. I guess, but a lot of them are long gone. People who were taught by Gardner personally could mm -hmm. still be alive today. Well, let's, that's let's true. put it this way it's no different, I think, probably, than people, again, back going back to Christianity who claim that they were uh, taught from by one of the apostles or, right. you know, those letters that went out that we all now right. know comprise, yeah, comprise the Bible. That was important to people to create a lineage mm -hmm. for Christianity, which started out as this little sect. Right. Yeah, I think breakaway I mean, sect from Judaism yeah. that became a big thing. We're sort of, we are very much sort of in that stage yeah, of paganism. Exactly. Yeah. This, because Christianity, you know, it started as a Jewish offshoot was then brought over to the Gentiles, you know, who then, it was very important to them to connect their beliefs, their traditions, mm -hmm. to a particular teacher. That's why they collected the Bible into the, to the, what it is today, mm -hmm. and why it continues to be passed down and taught, despite what people say, is because that's a connection for them. But yeah, that's thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. We are still, you know, what, like I said, 70 years removed from yeah. Gerald Gardner. And so, yeah, so there's going to be, if, if you want to be in a tradition, you're going to want to have it's some appeal, kind of link. It's an appeal to authority. Yeah. Right. To the idea that these people had authority to teach and right. therefore having a direct a direct link to them gives you some sort of reflected authority, right? Right. And it comes back to that whole thing that we've talked about in the past of authenticating mm -hmm. your belief structure. Mm -hmm. And that's important to some people. Now, as a solitary, I don't really give a fuck. Right. You know. And I'm not impressed <laughs> by anyone else's you know, appeals to authority I, or I, claims of authenticity. Right. I, I know what is important to me and how I worship deity. And I think there's a lot of solitaries out there who are solitaries for a reason. But there are a lot of people out there who desire to be part of a, of a tradition, whatever that tradition may be. To the extent that sometimes they'll make up a tradition. Exactly. And pretend it has older roots than it does. Exactly. But, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to diss those people because that's important. to. Oh, I'll diss the ones who are making shit up. OK, making shit up. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> Okay, Everything's so, got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. So that said, though, how do we feel about Gardner? Who said he got all this stuff from whatever I, covenant was? I have spoken to several Gardnerians uh -huh. who they really don't give much credence to Gardner anymore. As yeah. far as He's sort of like Freud now. Yeah. Gotcha. He's like, we know he started the shit, but he was wrong. And so he we will, ignore him extensively. Yeah, he will always be the father of Wicca. That he created that whole right. thing. We acknowledge that he started our tradition, but we don't give as much credence to what he taught. Mm -hmm. And we know that his, we know that what he taught that was, his history was his wrong. His history was flawed. Yeah. He maybe made some stuff up, mm -hmm. but that doesn't make it an invalid tradition. No, I didn't is say what it I'm did, saying. But yeah, you know, everybody's got to start somewhere. <laughs>
Visit ATEC CCS in Allegan, Michigan for all your computer and IT needs. Sponsored by our Tiger Winter Wolf. ATEC CCS is a family and pagan owned business operating since 2006, providing computer and printer sales and services, including repair, virus removal, data recovery, and complete IT support, including installation and maintenance for small businesses in the Allegan area. They are licensed to repair printers for Brother and provide estimates on all your computer and printer repairs with great reviews on their efficiency, knowledge, and price points. Contact them on Facebook at ATEC Computers, by phone at 269-783-5465, or visit their store at 311 Hubbard Street, Allegan, Michigan, 49010. This week, through September 18th, they also have a booth at the Allegan County Fair. So stop by and say a social distance hello and see what they have to offer. Hail Dictinus. <laughs> Hail Dictinus. <laughs> say it directly to the bundle. <laughs> Speak into the herbs. Speak into the herbs. Speak into the herbs. Hail into the smoke. That's right. <laughs> I think we've we've covered the basics, but we did want to talk about sort of where our paths have led us since mm -hmm. Car especially and, and Gwyn have veered off track from last time we did an update. So it's time for the update on our paths. What do you mean veered off track? Well, off your original tracks. Uh, mine hasn't and changed. there's no shame in that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> mine hasn't changed. I'm still the same solitary, eclectic, pagan uh, heathen I always was. So <laughs> doing all the same shit. Still working with Loki. Mm -hmm. And everybody else. But Car, you've had the, the big swap. You've so. had the, the big swap. The big swap. You've so. had the biggest of the swaps, yes. So let's see. Became part owner of a brewery right. and opened a tap room called Valhalla uh -huh. and started pouring out meads to the Norse gods most times before we opened uh -huh. um, while doing a very small calling down yes, ritual. A little hail. A little hail and to ask for abundance during our time of being open. You know, normally people get like little pains. Uh -huh. I got more of like a hammer upside the head. Um, that I was uh, following the wrong path, including I used to wear an all in all the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. and Which, uh, just to say what an all in is real quick. Uh, it's basically the land, sea, sky yeah. concept. It's a symbol. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, a symbol. it's a druid symbol. It's like three dots with little like radiating lines out yeah. on them. It kind of looks like three, the bottom portion of a sun, mm -hmm. but in dot format with the rays radiating out from the sun. Yep. <laughs> L says, quote, you keep reaching out to us, dumbass. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, basically. The Alwyn started feeling weird to wear. And so he took it off and placed it in front of the Dagda statue that is still on my altar. Mm -hmm. And about a week later, tried it back on again, and it still felt weird. No dice. So Car was like, I can't wear this around yep. places. <laughs> so it went away, and I now wear a Thor's hammer, mm -hmm. a Mjolnir, uh, both on my wrist and on my neck. Yep. And uh, as well as a bunch of rings that are odd and vaguely heathen -y. Vaguely heathen -y, yep. Are you becoming um, Thor's man? I don't know. I'm still processing all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I have definitely left the Celtic path and veered onto the heathen path. And I want to say that it's really Sarenth and Malik's fault. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's probably my fault. For pouring out mead to the gods right, uh, yeah, four yeah. times a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... <laughs> It's probably my fault, but I'm still blaming Sarenth and Malik for it. <laughs> you surrounded yourself with Odinson's and, right. then, and now you're becoming yeah. a Thor's man. <laughs> yeah. It must be rubbing off because every time we have a thunderstorm, my first instinct <laughs> go, is to go say, Hail Thor! Hail Thor! And then gather some thunder water. That's right. Yeah, so Carr will stay my name. I probably won't continue with the rest of it. Yeah. It will, the, it will just be Car, not Car on the Dagda. Yeah, yeah, but mm -hmm. Car has become kind of synonymous with who I am. Mm -hmm. Mostly because I drive people around a lot. <laughs> I still have the Dagda and Kernunos on our altar. Right. Along yep. with the Awen and, and Celtic symbol that yep. we have. Yeah. Because I still, still honor them. We haven't, we haven't abandoned them. Yeah, it's we, just still, we still not honor the focus them. Anymore. And, yeah. Uh, Gwen and I still work with Kernunos <laughs> a little bit mm -hmm. now and then and stuff like that. But, uh, the impression I've gotten from you is that you feel more connected to the Norse gods than you did to the Celtic ones. That is correct. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which is weird because I'm, you know, you're very Irish. Like three quarters Irish. So <laughs> yes, but you're Norse by association with me by marriage. Sure. Yeah, that's how it works. More like 
I was exactly so wait, 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 exactly, wait a second. Exactly like the Vanier got hostage negotiated into the AC. Hey, if we're I was Celtic by marriage, you're Norse by marriage. All I'm saying is apparently I got conquered. <laughs> and I'm just gonna leave it at that. Ah, yes, Hail Thor. Hail <laughs> <Pale> Frigga. <laughs> Alright, so Gwen, talk about what's happened with you. Because you've been on also some journeys. Well, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before um, because I, you know, had started originally as a, a basically a, a non-devotional, a non-devotional witch, secular witch. Yeah. yeah, I was a, a non-devotional witch and just had a magical practice, which then um, I've always had Brigid mm-hmm. as, uh, as a patron deity, but I didn't really feel right, You weren't worshipping her. I wasn't worshipping her. I didn't feel like that was something I needed to do. Uh, she's just always been with me. But then I felt drawn to work with Hakati mm-hmm. and a path I, I got myself into. I You went through a couple of different traditions. I went traditions. through a couple of different traditions. Um, I am st- I do consider myself, I am a Hakatian witch. Um, I'm just not part of a particular coven or tradition. Mm-hmm. I am a, always a solitary. <laughs> uh, you know, but... Even when, when you try to join a tradition, even it doesn't when stick. I try to join a tradition, it doesn't stick. But I am a Hakatian witch. But in that journey of discovering devotion through Hakati, mm-hmm. I started adding devotion to Frigga, mm-hmm. Hera, Brigid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hakati opened you back up opened to being devotional. To, to being devotional. Um, but in that journey, I also discovered and realized that. From the very beginning, I have always been a devotee of the earth. And that is how, you know, I've always been an earth witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I started in the green witch tradition. Well, it's not really a tradition. The green witchcraft path. Um, path. Yeah, the green witch path, mm-hmm. which is more of a secular kind of path. There's not a lot of, of there aren't particular deities that, right. that people work with. They're just the sort of a vague honoring of the earth. It's like kitchen witchery yeah. or hedge witchery, that kind of thing. It's working with nature yeah. through green witchcraft. But then I realized again through working with uh, Hakati that the earth is a deity that I am devoted to. Mm-hmm. So that's why I became a green earth witch. Which is basically a new tradition that it's, you are starting. That's Yeah, and so <laughs> I don't know if it's going to become a tradition. Like I, I had considered doing an online coven and that kind of fell apart. Um, but it, I at least am going to be writing this book and I'm working through this journey myself so that other green witches mm-hmm. who feel drawn to worship and honor the earth in a similar way will have an option. And it's really understanding the earth as a world soul right? and a, and a, and a deity. But yeah, that's kind of where I got. And it really, it, it really started because I wanted to be part of a tradition. <laughs> And, and there I, wasn't one there that was, did exactly what you wanted. And it, it didn't do exactly what I wanted. It didn't quite. It, I got one out of the three mm-hmm. from from being in a Hecatean, mm-hmm. Hecatean tradition. And um, so I realized I could still be a Hecatean witch as a solitary. But she opened up a whole lot of new devotional paths for me. Including being going from being a soft polytheist right, to, to being, being a hard, hard polytheist. polytheist. I got to like rewired your whole oh, practice. She totally blew my mind and my world. So yeah. Every now and then again they do that. That's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I did want to go back to Rhiannon Gray who said when we were talking about uh Dictinus and the mm-hmm. herbs, uh, did I hear that right? Because speaking to the herbs in all caps and like a sharp, obviously yelly font is a shirt I need to make. Go for it. Definitely yes. make us speak it was into definitely the herbs speak <laughs> into the herbs. <laughs> you heard that right. Yes, you did hear correctly. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think that's where we are. I don't think my my path changed terribly much because no, you just sort of kept adding to your path. I just kept like adding. you just keep sort of stacking different traditions on top of each other. <laughs> <laughs> I just you know it's like I have lots. whereas whereas Car was like Car did like a, a clean break. No more uh-huh. ADF, no more druidry, heathen now. Right. And you yeah. were like, I can be a witch who works with Brigid, and I can be Hecatean, and I can work with Frigga and Hera, and always, I can be a green earth witch. Moon I just <laughs> said, Quinn's been hoarding more and more traditions. Uh-huh. <laughs> when is that, do you know those little dragon uh, illustrations on Tumblr of the, like, the weird dragon hordes? Gwyn's hoard is traditions. <laughs> uh, I've always been eclectic. I started out as an eclectic Wiccan. <laughs> 
I am, I remain an eclectic witch <laughs> because I'm building my own path, right? You know, right. I've always been building and following my own spiritual path. And so, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I tried. I tried. You did. You really made, she made a serious effort to just be like a Hecatean witch. Just that, that alone. And before that, you made a real effort to not be in anything witch, uh -huh. just a witch. Yeah, to be just secular. And who the fuck knows? Someday I may just be just a Hecatean or just a green earth witch. Or you may go back to being secular. Or may go back or to being secular. Or something else entirely. And here's my point. It's okay to do that. Mm -hmm. You follow where you are on your journey. Yep. If right. you are drawn to something, follow it. Yep. I've do it in the right way. Do it in yeah. the right way. Don't like steal someone else's tradition if you mm -hmm. haven't been invited in and it's a closed tradition or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but if you feel drawn to a particular tradition, mm -hmm. follow the steps necessary to get involved in that tradition. Mm -hmm. I've had a thousand different jobs in my life. Why should I have a thousand different religions? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and many of those jobs had no relationship to each other. Nope, that's exactly right. <laughs> it yep. just means you have a, a wider breadth of experience to draw on. That's correct. And that's as true for careers as it is for faiths. Yeah. Correct. And I do think the thing to watch out for, because this is a problem within paganism, among yes, and no. other things, is uh, gatekeeping. I right. think that's something that people need to watch out for. At the same time. Don't steal traditions you're not allowed to have. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I have seen some people being like, well, I want to be a voodoo practitioner and it's gatekeeping to keep me out of it. No. No, honey. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> no, that's not gatekeeping. I'm thinking of other solitary witches who tell you you have you can you only have to do X this you way. You have to do or, X yeah. this way or that. But trying to, to insert yourself into a tradition that is closed mm -hmm. or that you've not There are specific ways to do that. There are ways follow to follow the rules in that. Like right. I would never call myself a gardenarian witch if I was not part of a gardenarian right, you're not fully initiated right. into, yeah. into the tradition. tradition or any of those wiccan traditions yep those and are not those, things you can be solitary exactly in. i was gonna say those are just not things you can do solo because those because they require specific exactly. kinds of initiations they require authorities in the tradition Different levels of yep. education within those traditions so yeah it's not just things like voodoo you know closed religions mm -hmm. that we understand of in the in the sense of indigenous peoples mm -hmm. things like that it also includes traditions within paganism that are specifically coven based yep. right you cannot claim to be a solitary whatever. Yeah, you can't initiate. If it is a coven-based tradition. You can't initiate yourself up the ranks of a gardenarian no, tradition. No, you cannot. That is a foul. No. Yeah, that's just not going to work. That's not going to work. <laughs> that's not going to work. I just had to get mine in. <laughs> <laughs> it's now been said by all three. We <laughs> believe this um, very strongly. <laughs> Elle had another good Yeah, don't be comment. enamored by a tradition. That you get lured into an actual yes. cult. Yes. Yes. Do be cautious. Yes. Exercise reasonable <laughs> caution anytime you start pursuing a new tradition. Keep an eye out for the red flags. There are a couple of cult models that you can check. The bite model is the one I'm most familiar with. You can look that up, Google the bite model for cults, and that'll give you all the sort of red flags for the things that separate a cult from a genuine religious tradition. And always remember that consent is vital, right? and that if there is an imbalance of power and you are uncomfortable, mm -hmm. get out. Yep. Rhiannon says, except the cultists of Dictinus. Right. Listen, if our if the cultists of Dictinus ever starts matching the bite model, the cultists of Dictinus is done. Right. That's right. <laughs> So there is one more thing I want to talk about. Uh, has nothing to do with this topic. So okay. are we done with this topic? Yep. Yep. I think we're we're done. I think right. we've yep. covered as much as we can. Um, and you all may have covered this because I don't listen to the damn podcast. <laughs> so we did an event up at Wolf Run Wildlife and Spiritual Sanctuary mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, about a month ago. Yep. Um, and we've interviewed Stan, who is the leader of Wolf Run, yes. uh, on the podcast. He's become a good friend of Three Pagans and a Cat. He has. And uh, Stan is going through some issues right now medically. Um, and because of those issues, his job has let him go, Oof. which means yeah. his insurance goes away. Yeah. Because um, our country is trash. Yeah. Let's just say it's serious health issues. Yeah, serious health issues. And actually, there is a GoFundMe that has been started to help out Stan with some medical financial issues that mm -hmm. he needs taken care of. 
It's not a ton to raise. Um, they're only asking for about $2,500, a little over a thousand right now. So we, um, can, we can make this happen. Yeah, we can yeah. make this happen. So I would like, uh, and Ode will put the link to this yep. in, in the for notes this for this episode. Um, but please, if you have, if you don't have extra money, don't do it. Yeah, please absolutely. do not feel. Don't put yourself right. yep. into a bad position. Right. Yep. No. Uh, but if you have the extra money and you can afford something like this, uh, please help Stan out. He's a great guy who deserves and does a lot for the Payton community yes, mm-hmm. um, and deserves our help in a time of need. Yep. So be- I'll say I'm going to go put $100 into this GoFundMe. If you're able to do half of that, please go do that. Yeah. If you have 50 bucks that you don't know what to do with, give it to Stan. <laughs> and for those who cannot even, you know, you don't have a dollar even, mm-hmm. to send good energy, good, yeah. good wishes uh, light a candle, the positive, vibes. The positive vibes. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but definitely yeah. anybody who can help, please do. Yeah, if you don't have the funny, don't have the. <laughs> if you don't have the funny, send it the money. You don't <laughs> got that funny money. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have the money, feel free to create a money type spell. Yeah. Uh, for this yeah. Uh, GoFundMe. Right. Go uh, listen to that episode we did recently about prosperity yeah. magic. Yep, you know, use some of that information and create the spell to be able to do that. So so that's it for this episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Yep. Thank you all for listening uh, and putting up with us. (laughs) Nobody say yay car. Uh, (laughs) Yay car! The episode ended already. (laughs) All right, hit the button then. Oh, fine. (laughs) Google three pack.